Hi, I'm Emily Clark from the University of Wisconsin, and you're listening to College Hockey Talk with Matt. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of College Hockey Talk. I'm your host, Matt. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And on today's podcast, we have Emily Clark, who is a national championship winner with the University of Wisconsin, and she also has a silver medal with Team Canada back in 2018. And it was great getting the chance to meet and talk with her as she is one of my favorite women's hockey players and is probably one of the top women's hockey players in the world today. But before we get to that interview, I'd just like to ask if you can please follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at College Hockey Talk. Uh, please follow our Spotify page and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. Leave a rating and review. Doing these things helps our podcast grow, and I would truly appreciate it if you did those things. It really helps the podcast out a lot. And if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate that as well. Uh, let's not waste any more time. Here's the interview with Emily Clark. Enjoy, everyone. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, national champion with the Wisconsin Badgers and silver medalist with Team Canada back in 2018. Welcome to the podcast, Emily Clark. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's uh, Despite being in Montreal and uh, being in the middle of a, a shutdown because of COVID, everything's pretty good. Yeah, and how's your quarantine been overall and what you've been doing the past the time throughout these unusual few months? Yeah, I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster the last seven, eight months. Uh, I spent a lot of it at home when um, things first started to pick up. So that was nice to get a solid chunk at home because, uh, you know, a lot of hockey players, you don't really get that, uh, especially three or four months in a row. So that was nice to be home for a while, but uh, I'm back in Montreal now training. Um, so that's nice to have a little bit of a, a sense of normality, even though we don't have a season right now. But um, yeah, I've been getting into cooking, um, trying to do some meditating, some sports, like working on the mental side of things, uh, trying to make the most of the time and getting better, even though we don't have games. It was the coolest thing you learned to cook so far. Coolest thing. Well, one of my favorite things I learned, uh, I made like a butternut squash soup that was like unreal. That was like my favorite thing. That sounds good. Now, what challenges have you faced during training and when it comes to getting back on the ice as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, every, every different phase that we've gone through with COVID has had its own challenges. Um, at the start was pretty, well, at the start, what was most difficult was our world championships being canceled because uh, especially being out of college last year um, and being a part of the uh, PWHPA uh, we had we had a lot of games through that but we didn't necessarily have a championship and the world championship was kind of the thing that was keeping a lot of us motivated throughout the whole year and we're looking forward to that so having that canceled was obviously understandable but a hard pill to swallow uh, working all year towards that so that that was a challenging time but then um, when I first got home and there wasn't rinks were closed and gyms were closed kind of making do with what I had at home and um, staying motivated and just trying to have fun being active it was weird to to maybe not lift weights but go for walks or runs or rollerblade or kind of be a kid again so I think in the long run that was kind of a nice break away from what we're used to training in the gym and on the ice um, and then right now, uh, it's been awesome being back in Montreal. There's a lot of national team players here, so uh, it's nice to train with other players. But uh, like I said earlier, we're in a shutdown right now. So our on-ice restrictions are we're allowed two players per half of the ice. So there's four of us on the ice, but you can only work with one other player. So um, it's kind of difficult to come up with drills and stuff sometimes. And uh, I think just missing competition, that's what we love to do with playing games. So uh, that's what I've been missing the most as of lately. Yeah, and do you know when the PWHPA is going to come back and what the season might look like for next year? Uh, no, not not as of right now. I know there's a lot of people working super hard behind the scenes to, to get anything going for us, and I think that um, there are some weekends lined up, but uh, as of everything right now, everything's a little tentative and depends on 
what happens around the world. But I, I do think that as soon as we can, we'll be getting games in. Well, that's good to hear. Now, I want to start off on a positive note. I want to talk about the beginning of your hockey journey. You're from Saskatoon, Canada. Uh, how did you start playing hockey, and what age do you remember falling in love with the sport and realizing that you wanted to pursue it fully? Uh, I mean, as long as I can remember, I've been a hockey player. Uh, I have four older brothers. Uh, my dad coached even before he had kids. He loved coaching and playing, and now he runs uh, two hockey rinks at home. So hockey is just what we do have always done um I also have an older sister and growing up so there's six of us um I was always playing with my siblings and we're always either playing mini sticks or shooting pucks in the backyard or playing NHL on any game station we had so um I think I just loved hockey from a young age and I couldn't get enough and uh it's definitely been a big part of my success is I just I truly love hockey being a rink rat so um training and going to the rink early when I had to that was never an issue for me. Now who was your favorite player growing up and what part of their game did you like the most? Um I think my favorite part of growing up having hockey I think it was just like a huge part of my life as a big source of my confidence growing up um I loved it I was good at it uh, I enjoyed going to practice um I think a lot of people would say like the teammates and the people you meet I don't remember a lot of wins or losses growing up but I do remember a lot of the friendships or uh like the tournaments and stuff like that so um that's definitely my favorite part of hockey is the people you come across and uh your teammates. Now did you have a favorite player growing up or like someone that you looked up to? Um yeah on the female side I think uh most girls my age looked up to Wickenheiser but uh being from Saskatchewan and her also being from Saskatchewan um I think that I had an extra connection and looked up to her um I think one of my favorite uh hockey players growing up was Joe Sackick uh on the men's side um but as I've gotten older it's been really cool I think one of the cool things about female hockey is um accessibility and like the girls are constantly giving back. So throughout my hockey career and growing up, I had a lot of opportunities to meet players on the national team at a young age. Like I met Colleen Sistorics at a young age. She's from Saskatchewan and played on the national team. Uh, Dana Antel, I got a autograph from her. She was a gold medalist in 2002. And I had that autograph on my wall from like the time I was eight till um, you know, when I started making teams myself. So uh, another one, Carla McLeod in high school, she had coached me once. She's a two-time Olympian. So um, that's a really cool thing about the female side is you come across a lot of players and they want to leave the game better than they found it. So I've had a lot of great mentors and people I've come across to on that side. Now, before Wisconsin, you played for the Saskatoon Stars. Talk about that experience and what you took away from it. Yeah, it was awesome. It was actually my first time playing uh, female hockey. I always played with the boys until I played there in midget and um, actually played as an underage. So I was in grade eight and all the other girls were in high school. So they called me recess because I was the only one still having recess. And uh, sometimes they pick me up from school and take me to the rink. Um, so yeah, but I think that's my first taste of female hockey. And um, just another awesome example of how important teammates are. I think my last year of uh, boys hockey, I love playing boys hockey and it had a huge impact on my development. But as you get older and you're in those 12, 13, 14 awkward years when you're the only girl on the team, um, I had great coaches and great teammates, but you are different. You're not in the locker room anymore. So I really missed that side of it, I think. Um, so switching to the girls' side and getting that again. Uh, made me fall in love with hockey even more. Um, but yeah, that was awesome experience playing with them. And then um, I played three years and still had two more years of high school and needed a bit of a switch up to went to Okanagan Hockey Academy after that. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the, your experience at Okanagan in the JWHL. Um, how did that prepare you for college hockey? Uh, so many ways, I think. On the ice and off the ice, more importantly. On the ice, uh, I think the really cool thing about going to the academy at that time for me was everyone else there had similar goals. Everyone wanted to play NCAA or youth sports. A uh, handful of girls were in the national program, under 18 program. So um, just being around maybe people that are more like-minded or had similar goals, I think on ice, that was huge for me. 
off the ice, we traveled a ton, um, and you had to really work at school alongside with hockey and manage your time. So that was huge for me too at university because you miss so much, especially when you're playing at the national team too. You miss uh, for Wisconsin games when you're traveling and then you miss a week or two at a time with the national team. So it's huge for me um, off the ice too. And uh, at the time, Gina Kingsbury was my coach and she's now the, the general manager for Hockey Canada. So, um, and she had, she's also a two-time Olympian uh, so being able to be coached by her for two years and, um, you know, she did exactly what I wanted to do. So to have that guidance at that age, that was definitely huge for me too. Yeah. What adversity did you have to face getting to know, getting noticed by other schools in Saskatchewan? Yeah, I think that was also definitely an advantage of going to a sports school. We, at least at that time, the JWHL, a lot of the weekends were hosted at these NCAA schools. So you're playing games in the backyard of these teams that you want to play at one day. So obviously there's going to be more coaches there scouting, um, you know, they get six or eight teams in one spot for one weekend. It's a little easier for scouts to get to these assistant coaches or whatever recruiters are there. So um, I think when you play in when, at least at the time when I was playing in the Saskatchewan league, um, I maybe wasn't getting as much exposure two NCAA schools. I think it's a little different now that the league has developed a lot, but um, yeah, that was definitely another huge positive of going to OHA. Now uh, I want to talk a little bit about your recruiting process. Uh, what was that like and why did you choose to go to Wisconsin? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, honestly. Like you said, uh, growing up in Saskatchewan, there wasn't a ton of other girls that I knew of that went on NCAA. Um, I think for a lot of girls, the Huskies is the dream and that's uh, an awesome program too, but I only knew one other girl really personally that went to NCAA. Her name was Alyssa Weeb. She went to North Dakota. So um, another thing that I was really fortunate for is playing on the under 18 developed under 18 national team. Um, so I played at a summer series against the U S when I was 15. So a lot of scouts there. Um, so I was able to get seen by pretty much every single NCAA school at 15. Uh, so as I was getting these emails and phone calls, I had no idea what was happening. I didn't know much about NCAA until I was getting recruited, really. Um, so Alyssa Weeb had helped me a lot through that process because there's so many rules and so many teams, so many divisions. I had, like, you're just a kid, really, when this is happening. So you have no idea. You want a big school, small school, what you want to major in. Like, <laughs> I didn't know any of that. So um yeah, it's a, it's a long process, too. So it started when I was 15. Uh, and then again, I was really lucky at OHA. Gina Kingsbury helped me through that a lot. Um, as you're getting emails, you're kind of weeding out schools, um, kind of trying to figure out and narrow down what it is that you do want. And um, ultimately, when I thought about it, I, I knew I wanted to play on the Olympic team since I was like six years old. So I knew I needed a program that was a really good hockey program, but I also wanted equally as good of education too and there's a handful of schools that provided both um, so I ended up going on official visits to Wisconsin, Cornell, and Minnesota and I loved like all my visits I had a lot of fun but um, it may be a little classic to say but it's just a feeling at Wisconsin and um, just the, the legacy of like the different players that have gone there the championships um, something that a lot of people had asked me or like when I had talked about going there a lot of people were worried that I wouldn't like they're like oh you really want to be like a small fish in a big pond and I'm like what do you mean like it's to me that was awesome that I had other players there that were trying to pursue the national team there's so many great players at Wisconsin um, I knew I would have to work my way up the lineup because there's a lot of awesome players there um, and then obviously being coached by Mark Johnson was something that I'll, I'll be grateful for forever too. Yeah what was it like to play under coach Johnston and uh, did you learn anything about the game that you didn't know before under his tutelage? <laughs> oh man uh, it's it, like he's the greatest coach of all time. Um, I'll stick by that for forever. The greatest thing about him is he really does let you play like um, we really we have like a really loose structure at Wisconsin we always have every year I was there because he really just wants us to play. He trusts, like, the skill that we have. Um, 
I think I did just learn to think the game a little differently under him. Um, he did like he's one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. So I tried to tried to pick his brain about that a little bit, and I think uh, he's big on visualizing and picturing where the play is going before it even gets there. So um, just tried to be a sponge anytime he spoke. Really trying to learn a lot about the game, but um, I think what I also enjoyed about playing under him was you can tell that he just loved hockey too. Like he had his time in the sun and you'd like, you wouldn't even know half the stuff that he does. He's so like accomplished, but he really just cares about the players and um, you know, our success. And he comes to the rink every day with a smile and wants us to have fun. And that's exactly the environment I needed. Now talk about uh, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey and playing at Le Bon for the first time? Obviously, it's a huge arena in front of those crazy fans. What was the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey and being in that environment? What was the coolest thing about it? Oh, man. I couldn't say enough. I like love playing at Le Bon, especially, you know, being in, in the right color jersey at that rink. There's nothing more special than like those fans. They are diehard. They love us. They've been going to games for years. I mean, I think my senior year, we sold out every home game, maybe not one. Um, so that's pretty special to get to have that support with you constantly. It's definitely a huge advantage. I think the amount of home games I lost in my four years there was maybe three or four, like maybe in the years that we didn't have Minnesota's number my freshman year. But um, I think the biggest adjustment to college hockey is you come out of high school and you're kind of a stud, like you can get away with a lot and um, you get humbled pretty quickly when you go to college hockey. There's so many good players, um, not just who you're playing with, but who you're playing against. So um, I think just realizing that I was at another step and another level and having to, you know, make those adjustments and see where your gaps really are. Um, but college hockey is, it's the best four years. That's for sure. Now, in your freshman season, you lost to Minnesota in the NCAA final. Uh, talk about that your first national tournament experience, and even though you lost, uh, what did you take away from that? Yeah, the uh, Minnesota definitely had our number my freshman year. Um, yeah, that was that was hard pill to swallow. I think the hardest thing on any of the seasons that ended with a loss at Wisconsin was like not winning for the seniors because I think you you go through so much during the year. Um, and you're away from home and like your teammates are really your family. So I think the disappointment for yourself, but more so the disappointment for the girls that their college career just ended that like that'll break your heart. Um, I think <clears throat> from that year we learned, um, you know, I think that maybe that year we weren't, our belief that we were going to win was maybe not there. I think that Wisconsin or Minnesota had our number all year. Uh, and, you know, we, we knew we could win, but I think we didn't have enough swag or enough, like, you know what I mean, uh, that year. So I think, especially after that year, my next three years, we definitely believed in ourselves a lot more. Um, and I think the, the heartbreak of getting that far and coming up one game or two games short, I think that sticks with you all summer while you're training and all the next season. Now, in your sophomore season, though, you won your first ever WCHA championship against Minnesota. Uh, talk about winning your first league championship, especially against one of your biggest rivals, and especially <laughs> also that they eliminated you the previous year. Yeah, definitely. Um, that whole next season, anytime we played Minnesota, we had a chip on our shoulder. Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to think back. I feel like now when I reflect on my time, mostly the national championship comes up, but um any game against Minnesota was so special it's just like any game with Canada against the U.S. like that rivalry and the history to it and uh, I remember my first game ever against Minnesota my freshman year obviously it gets hyped up it's the border battle week all over Twitter all over the rink everyone's talking about it and it does not take long for you to be right in the thick of it I remember kind of knowing that it was a big deal but like one shift in being like okay I hate these guys like it just gets instilled in you from your first game against them. So uh, definitely a healthy respect, but I love playing them. And uh, obviously it feels a little bit sweeter when you beat them too. And you've had the opportunity to play in many cool places uh, like Minnesota. What has been your favorite road arena you've ever played in? Oh, I, yeah, I definitely love playing in Ritter. Um, you know, like I said, we're so lucky at Le Bon to have 
sold out arenas cheering for us. So it's definitely, it's also fun when you have a sold out arena cheering against you too. It's a different energy and a different sort of motivation. Um, I always like road trips to Duluth too. I really like their rink. Um, Bemidji, the food was always so good. So I always enjoyed that road trip too. Uh, in terms of ever, I think one of my favorite games I played in was in Winnipeg during the centralization year. We had like 16,000 fans and I think the game went into overtime or was a one goal game. Um, and that's pretty special. Canada, U.S. game too. Yeah, I think playing on the road is a lot more funner, if that's a word, uh, than the, <laughs> playing at home just because, like, I like the crowd against you and it just feels you – it gives you a lot of energy to even be more successful than you would when the crowd's not against you. Definitely. I, and anytime they scored and you heard the ah, – whatever they're doing, their chant, I think it just, like, it makes you not want to hear it again. So it makes you play hard and not want to get scored on. Definitely. Now – in your junior season, you made the national champ tournament again, uh, this time beating Boston College in the semifinals. Uh, what, did it, what did it feel like to get over the hump and make it to the national championship game instead of losing in the semifinals? And what was the mindset heading into that national championship game against Clarkson your junior year? Yeah, that was huge because, uh, like you said, my freshman, sophomore year, losing to Minnesota again in the semifinals was heartbreaking. Sophomore year was overtime, too, and um, – I think that year we were definitely the two best teams in the country. So to have to go against each other in the semifinal was uh, tough. But I think, um, you know, we knew if we continued on, we would have had a good chance the next day. And uh, I think I knew after they beat us in the semifinal, I knew they were going to win the whole thing because they were so good too. Um, so, yeah, definitely for my class and the class before me, losing to Minnesota two and three times in a row in the semifinals, there's a huge chip on our shoulder. Junior year, we finally don't have to play Minnesota in the semis. We're playing Boston College. And our whole focus was we're just getting past that game. We're not thinking about the national championship because we haven't got there. So um, I think our mindset was a little bit different. And knowing that we weren't playing Minnesota, I think – there was a little bit of a weight off our shoulders that we didn't have to worry about that. Uh, and then that was a super difficult game. I remember it was so close. There's so many chances either way. Um, and then it was Chan Melissa channel scored with like 12 seconds left or something like that. Uh, and that was like, that's one of my favorite memories from college hockey was that game and knowing that we we're finally going to get to the finals. Um, and then I think our mindset, I think maybe in a way it was detrimental because we were just so happy to get to the finals that um, I think maybe we didn't focus enough on on winning that final game. We were just happy to get there. Yeah, I want to speak a little bit more about that game against Clarkson. You did lose that game in the national championship. Uh, what do you personally take away from that loss and how did it help you heading into your uh, redshirt senior year? Yeah, that that loss is honestly – the Olympic final and that final were like two of the most heartbreaking things that have happened to me in hockey. I think, uh, you know, that year we were, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but we were the best team in the country. I think we lost three games. We had, we were first in almost all categories across the NCAA. Um, and I think maybe we just didn't prepare for that game well enough. And I mean, all hats off to Clarkson for that game because, you know, they were the underdogs for sure, and they, they took us down, and uh, they deserved to win that game. I think that we hadn't maybe seen enough adversity that season. Like I said, we only lost three games, I think. Um, so when we're in the national final and we're down and we're not used to being down, I think we kind of got in our own heads. Um, and I think by the time my senior year came around, I mean, the girls lost again in the semifinals the year I was gone. Um, so I think collectively everyone – besides the freshmen, I think it was kind of like, okay, F this. Like, we're, we know what it's like to lose. We know what it's like to lose in the semis. We know what it's like to lose in the finals. We're not scared of that anymore. Like, I think it was really like, F this. This is our time. And, um, you know, I think we got finally got over that hump. And I wish so badly that I could have seen the last season play out for the girls because I think getting over that hump was huge after – couple-year drought for the program, and I, I think that they have a few more for them in the next couple of years. 
Now, you took a year off to pursue the Olympics. Um, we'll get to the Olympics in just a moment, but was there any adjustment you felt coming back to college hockey from the Olympics after only playing six games in between your junior year and to your redshirt senior year? Yeah, it was um, it was a super hard adjustment. I think being away from the year, I mean, I missed – it was awesome in a way that I had a lot of time to miss it. Like, the whole time you're at Wisconsin, you know how lucky you are to – be able to play at Lebon to get all the you know extra stuff that we get going to a Big Ten school um so I think being away I I missed it and I was super pumped for my senior year I knew it was a nice reminder of how lucky I am to be there um but it was hard it was hard being away from the year and you know having half the team be new teammates because now I have the sophomores and the freshmen that I haven't been teammates with yet uh so what was the biggest thing for me was getting back to Madison that summer um, taking some classes because I also had to get my school brain back after a year away uh, and then just trying my best to connect with all my teammates for uh, that summer for the with the sophomores and the freshmen um, and I think that's a big reason why we're so successful is we do get those summers at, in Madison and we train together all summer skate together all summer um, so I think we do get a bit of a head start. Now, what type of leadership did you want to bring to Wisconsin in your senior year? And did you learn anything from past captains to help you with that leadership? And just talk about the leadership that Captain Annie Pankowski brought to that year because she was just fantastic and was a great leader for your team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what was big for me in my growth was when I was away for that year, I was the youngest player with the national team. And you're like all those girls are pretty much have been leaders of their NCAA teams. They're all leaders on the national team. Um, so I learned a lot that year that I was gone, just being around older players, um, being at that highest level. So uh, just, I think my daily habits, I think got a lot better that year. So I just tried to bring that back. Um, I just had such an excitement to be back. So I just tried to like every day at practice, you compete at the Olympic team because it's a year long tryout. You're not really, you're not really you don't have the luxury to take a day off or to not compete hard because you're a little tired so I think that was one thing that I brought back um, to Wisconsin my senior years I just had a excitement for the game because I missed college hockey but also uh, I liked competing a lot in practice and pushing everyone to get better and um, you know if we're doing a battle drill try to run people over but with a smile on my face because I know it's going to make them better when we get into games on the weekend so that was kind of my style coming back um I'm not the most like vocal person ever so I just try to do you know what I think is the way to do things and um do things the right way but uh Annie is an excellent leader she's she was a great leader from our freshman year even just as um kids on that team so uh her habits are on and off the ice are pretty contagious and uh, very impressionable and um, she's a very good vocal leader so definitely good at saying things that need to be said when they need to be said and uh, you know she had just a big of a chip on her shoulder coming off that uh, red shirt year too so um, I think between the girls losing in overtime the year we were gone Annie having a chip on her shoulder I felt like I had something to prove too uh, it was a really good recipe for success I think. Now, Wisconsin has obviously been one of the top teams in the country for the past few years. Uh, what do your What does your team do to maintain that success? And at what point during the national championship year, your senior year, did you realize you were capable of actually winning a national championship? Yeah, I think, um, like I said, that's like one of the biggest reasons I wanted to go there was because of the legacy. And, um, you know, year after year, they're one of the top programs. Uh, I think in my time there, the lowest that we were ever ranked was my freshman year. We were four, and that's still an incredible accomplishment. So I think when you go there, you kind of you learn to really like that pressure. There's obviously pressure when you're a uh, top program. Everyone wants to give you their best game. Everyone wants to be the team to beat you, um, and you definitely have a target on your back. So I think it just makes you better because you're getting everyone's best game every single weekend. Um and I think another thing that makes us uh, so good is, you know, like the, the summers, like I said, uh, having that extra time to train together off the ice, on the ice. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's there's been a lot of people that put a lot of hard work into making Wisconsin the place that it is, and you want to leave it better than you found it. And uh, yeah, there's big shoes to fill when you get there. But uh, I think my senior year, 
I I remember before the national final game, like at breakfast, I was so calm. Like I didn't have a worry in the world. It felt like I was just waking up for another game because I was so confident in our team. And I think the, the biggest thing that year is we just had so much trust in each other and we really didn't care who got the credit or who was going to score the goal or who was going to block the shot. Like everyone was, you know, um, everything everyone did was celebrated, whether it was killing penalties or scoring goals in the power play. Um, I just remember, I don't know what it was, but we had it and we had the swag and we, we knew we were going to win. Now you beat Clarkson in the semifinals before heading into the national tournament. How good did it feel to beat that team, especially <laughs> since they eliminated you the previous year you played? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That game felt really good. Uh, Clarkson is a great program and they're, Year after year, they're continuing to prove that they're one of the top programs in the country, too. So um, I think now even more so playing Minnesota and playing them for any team now that or any of the Wisconsin teams now that's going to be its own rivalry, knowing that they're a top program, too. And um, it's cool to see that, uh, you know, they had the success that they did in the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, beating them in the semifinal and in the fashion that we did, I'm not going to lie, that felt really good. <laughs> Now, I've had the opportunity to go to one Frozen Four on the men's side back in 2015 in Boston, and I thought it was really cool, the whole setup, the scenery, the atmosphere. You've gotten the opportunity to participate in many Frozen Fours. Uh, what, what is the atmosphere like in those games for you, and what was the whole experience like for you, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well with the pep band and just the entire fans? Yeah, it's, it's a crazy weekend. It's um, Everyone that I went to, I think the energy is, it's funny because you, you have like these banquets throughout the weekend too with all these teams and you kind of mixing and mingling, but there's like this weird tension in the room because you want to end everyone's season. So you're kind of, you know, playing nice. And, um, but I think it's cool because you, you have the best teams in the country there for one weekend. Uh, and the crazy thing is that it's one and done. Um, so you have to perform on the day, but yeah, they, NCAA does an awesome job of, making a big deal of it there's a lot of cool things throughout the weekend having the paddy cas um you know paddy cas announcement done that weekend and the uh, elite 90 just celebrating successes is really cool and um you know wanting to be the best team in the country at the end of it is definitely cool energy now one thing that stood out to me during your national championship run was the play of your defense and your goalie Kristen campbell uh, you guys allowed zero goals that entire tournament. Uh, just talk about the play of Kristen and just the entire defense and how it motivated your team to win those games. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it made it easier winning a national championship when you don't let any goals in. But um, like I said earlier, just that having everyone's, you know, successes celebrated, I think um, that went throughout lines one through four, but also the defense, I think a lot of times, you know, defense and goalies don't necessarily get the credit because it's not as flashy or as showy as what the forwards do. But um, our decor is just so solid. Like, none of them, like, wanted to make risky plays because it would make them look good. Like, they they always did the right play because it was the right play. They blocked shots. They they played tough. They played physical. And, I mean, Kristen Campbell is one of the hardest of any player I've ever played with, national team or college, she is the most dedicated and hardest working person I've ever met. Like, you have to tell her to, like, okay, hey, Soup, get off the ice or get out of the gym. Like, she would, she's a no, uh, she doesn't want to leave any stone left unturned kind of person. Um, but I know that, uh, you know, she visualized winning that game for a full year before it happened. So, we had all the belief in the world in her and the whole team. And it was just such a special year. And you won your first national championship beating your rivals, Minnesota. Uh, what emotions were you feeling after that game, especially since it was also your final collegiate game as well? Yeah, it was, like you said, it was pretty, pretty sweet feeling beating Clarkson, but it almost felt like a little bit of a, a revenge tour. Now that you get to play Minnesota in the final. Um, yeah. I can't even describe the feeling after like, watching the clock count down it it was surreal it didn't even feel real after all the heartbreak getting to that game like that was a dream come true since my freshman year I wanted to win a national championship and hang a banner in Le Bon. and after coming so close three years in a row and coming falling short uh there really wasn't a better feeling and um 
yeah, I like, I think about it often. Me and the the teammates, we'll text, like Annie will text me randomly. They're like, hey, remember when we won a national championship? Like that's the extent of our conversations these days. But um, yeah, it's, it's just such a special year, such a special team. And it's really cool that we get to share that forever now. Was there anything cool you got to do after winning the national championship? Like any cool places you got to go or see or meet anyone <laughs> interesting? Yeah. Um, I mean, the the week following, you definitely got to experience a lot of cool things because, I mean, Madison is such a college sports town. They celebrate everything, let alone when you win a national championship. Everyone wants to be a part of it and celebrate you. Um, I think one of the coolest experiences, though, was uh, – the Milwaukee Brewers had us to a game and me and Maddie or not, not Maddie, sorry, me and Sophia Shaver through the opening pitch uh, at the game. And that was, that was really cool. Something I won't forget mostly because I totally butchered the pitch, but uh, just to be there and get to experience something like that was so cool. Now I want to talk about some of your teammates you got to play with at Wisconsin. You get to play with some of the best uh, college hockey players of all time. And one of them was Presley Norby. She was one of the top college hockey players in the past few years, and she was one of my favorite players to watch as well. Uh, as a fan of hers, what was it? What was she like to play with, and what was she like as a teammate on and off the ice? She was awesome. Um, you know, she came in, and I remember I played against her at one national tournament before, so I knew that she was good. I had a lot of respect from her right from the get-go. Um, she's just a, a fun person to be around. Um, she likes to be goofy off the ice, brings a good energy and obviously works super hard on the ice. Um, and she just had such a, like a good vision on the ice, scored a lot of big goals. Um, yeah, see, I never, I don't think I ever got to play on her line, but, um, you know, competing with her in practice and just being around her, she, she definitely made people around her better. Now, another teammate you got to play with was Sarah Nurse. Uh, you guys were probably the most dynamic duo in college hockey. Uh, what was it like to play with her on the ice? And talk about what type of teammate she was like off the ice, because what she's doing now is pretty incredible to me. Yeah, she is definitely one of the most incredible people I know. Um, she's one of my best friends all throughout college. So it was really, really special when we both got centralized and went through that Olympic process together. She's still one of my best friends. Um, but, you know, she's an incredible hockey player and uh, definitely had an amazing college hockey career. So when we got to play together, her senior year, my junior year with Annie, uh, you know, sometimes I wish Annie could get her citizenship changed so she could come play with me and Sarah on the national team. Um, but, yeah, no, Sarah is a, a great hockey player. She's for sure going to be remembered for her time at Wisconsin, her time on the national team, but um, – She's definitely doing a lot of work off the ice that I think is going to be much more memorable and uh, important. Um, you know, being her, her friend and knowing the work that she's doing behind the scenes, even the stuff people know about, but more so the stuff people don't know about. Um, you know, she's constantly fighting not just for equality, for women's rights, for us to get a league that we deserve, but now, uh, you know, taking on a really important role, uh, fighting for injustice. And uh, I'm super proud to be her friend. Um, I love supporting her any way I can, but yeah, she's definitely a special person and a special player. I want to talk a little bit about the Olympics for a second. Now, my first question is, what's the process for making Team Canada? And when did you find out you were going to the Olympics in South Korea? Yeah, it's pretty intense uh, process. I mean, the years in between the Olympics, we have the World Championships um, and Four Nations and a couple of tryouts. So uh, the years in between the Olympics, the more rosters you can make, the you know the more comfortable and confident you feel heading into the Olympics. Um, but it's definitely hard to it's hard to get on the rosters and it's hard to stay on the rosters because there's so many awesome players coming up and uh, fighting for those spots. So uh, I was fortunate that I played on uh, the World Championships leading up to centralization is what they call it. So before the Olympics, we have what's called a boot camp. Uh, in June, I think it was. So it's a three-week camp where we all live uh, in houses in Fredericton, New Brunswick. And it's like, it's a boot camp, like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You start your day with an hour run, and then you have a little small break to eat, and then you're doing weights, practice, uh, sprint training, conditioning. Like, they just throw anything and everything at you. Boxing, gymnastics, um, usually finish the day with like soccer, rugby, or dodgeball, some form of competition. Uh, so that was like a three-week-long 
complete mental and physical challenge that um, it really brings everyone closer because you're pushed to your limits and even past it. Uh, so you definitely learn to rely on your teammates right at the start. And then come August, we all live in Calgary for the full year. There's, I think there's 28 of us. And we play in the Midget AAA Boys League there. Um, <clears throat> and then it's a tryout until they name the Olympic roster. So it's pretty, <clears throat> it's pretty intense year. It's busy. You're at the rink. It's a full-time job. You're like at the rink six, seven, eight hours a day. Uh, trying to make the team and there's some releases throughout the year which is is scary and hard because you're you're training as a team but it's a trial like it's it's pretty intense but um I think it was December 21st we found out so right before Christmas we found out the final roster so uh that was really really fun Christmas for me and um being able to share that with my family like the next day was was super special is that still today the best Christmas gift you ever got? <laughs> I don't know if it was the best Christmas gift I ever got or the best Christmas gift I gave to my parents because then they could stop stressing too. Uh, yeah, I would say it was a pretty pretty awesome Christmas gift. Now, uh, what was it like to play in South Korea? Because it seems like an unconventional spot for hockey. And just what's it like to play in the Olympics in general, both on and off the ice, like the opening ceremonies and just getting to interact with the other athletes throughout the village? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you've I've played in hundreds of hockey tournaments before when you're just with you and your hockey team, but obviously the Olympics is a whole whole nother beast and um it's a multi-sport event which makes it cr pretty crazy because there's just athletes everywhere and all these athletes that you've watched growing up, these legends that uh you know, it's really cool to realize that you're a part of it now and um you know, when you're when the Olympics are on, I know when summer Olympics or past winter Olympics have been on every TV you come across, the games are on. So it's just really cool to know that back home, everyone's rooting for you, everyone's supporting you, um, and you're just trying to live the experience. You want to make the most of the village, the seeing everything there is to offer, getting to know other Team Canada athletes. But it's also hard because at the end of the day, you know what you're there for. Um, you want to experience all the Olympics has to offer, but your focus is on the gold medal. So if you have a day off and you have the opportunity to go to all these events, you don't necessarily take it because you know you got to rest or this or that. So it's it's a little bit challenging to balance um, making the most of the experience and staying focused on the goal. Um, but yeah, opening ceremonies is definitely the the most special and coolest thing outside of the hockey. Um, just walking in as Team Canada, like the energy in the building, it's like, it's surreal. It feels like a whole different experience and um, it goes by really fast. I uh, I took my phone out to get like a video and I like, if I get to go to another Olympics, the phone's staying in the pocket because I wish I just enjoyed the moment fully. But um, yeah, the whole Olympics is definitely a dream come true and definitely makes you hungry to want to feel that again. Now you won the silver medal in that game in the Olympics. Uh, talk about that big game versus the U.S. Um, and what you took away from it. And do you think it should have ended in a shootout? Because I know that was kind of a controversy. <laughs> and do you think that's the biggest game you've ever played in, both college and internationally as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's hard to compare college to national team stuff because I think it's so different. And you, your pride for your school is so different than the pride for your country there it's just as deep and you like through and through I'm a Badger and I'm a Canadian like um there's a lot of pride there in both games but um yeah coming up short of that goal was like heart-wrenching it was very <laughs> it was uh the 2017 NCAA final was a pretty similar feeling I'd say the scale of the Olympics was a little bit deeper for sure but um yeah, it, it, I mean, not to sugarcoat it, it sucked that it ended in a shootout because you work your whole life for that game to play the game. And I would have loved to have seen it continue going over time. But um, I mean, initially, you're just devastated and gutted. And um, it's heartbreaking not to, you know, not to go around that. But with time, you learn to appreciate the experience and your silver medal so much more than in that initial moment. Because in the initial moment you lost the gold is how you feel. Um, but you know, when you, you get a zoom out and realize that you made your dream come true, 
as becoming an Olympian, um, you know, it's, it's pretty special and surreal feeling. And then anytime you get to show your silver medal to little kids back home or to friends and family and, uh, you know, like the joy and pride in their eyes, it's cheesy, but it's, it's pretty special. And, um, you know, I'm super grateful for the experience and, and really happy to have an Olympic medal, but definitely very motivated to um, maybe get a different color the next go around. Yeah, you should be really proud of the silver medal. That seems awesome to win. Where do you keep it? <laughs> uh, right now, it's in my TV stand in front of me uh, in a sock. <laughs> All right. Now, we're now in the on a more positive note, though. We're now in the non-hockey segment of the podcast where I ask you some non-hockey questions. My first one is, uh, what music do you like to listen to and what fires you up before <laughs> a game? Um, I actually love slower and, like, more chill music. Like, I hardly listen to like super upbeat or fast um or like rap or anything like that and um <clears throat> I like I listen to whatever anyone's playing in the room but to be honest I usually listen to um the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman before games at some point it's just it's been my favorite song since I was like a teenager and I've I always listen to it so that's like a nice calming uh song that I like to listen to some point before I play. Now what was your favorite sport besides hockey to watch at Wisconsin? Oh favorite sport um well I mean you're around the hockey guys so much so I the most games that I went to were the hockey games because you're good friends with all the hockey guys but um I mean football games you can't really beat that 80,000 people jump around at the third quarter but um the most entertaining other sport I watched at Wisconsin was women's volleyball like mm -hmm. those girls were total badasses and uh they sold out their stadium almost every game too and uh it was just such a fun game to watch. Now who had the best style at your time at Wisconsin on and off the ice besides yourself obviously? <laughs> oh thank you uh yeah, too. I like that you differentiated on ice style and off ice style because it is not the same. It doesn't always transfer. Uh, obviously, Sarah Nurse is also known as the queen. Um, so she's definitely got some style off the ice. Uh, on the ice, who had good style? Mm, I think Annie has pretty good style. Uh, honestly, Anne Renee as a goalie, she had like so much swag always. And her gear was always, she always had really nice pads, but she just had like a swag to her that like no one else could compete with. Now back to some final hockey questions. Now, what should be done to help grow women's hockey in your opinion? And as being a female pro athlete, what have you noticed that should change about the marketing of women's hockey? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that it involves a pretty in-depth answer, but um, I think like the biggest thing that I think comes to mind right away is like visibility. Uh, I think if you look at the stats of the WNBA and everything that they're doing, but like the increase in viewership in just the last year and also the increased visibility that they had, um, I don't think those numbers lie. So I think visibility and just getting our game out there, I think so many people knock it before they even get their butt in the seats or can watch us on TV. So uh, visibility and obviously having a league would definitely help. Um, it's, uh, it's been pretty tough the last couple of years not having a league and, um, you know, what we deserve, but it's, it's pretty cool to see how many people we have in our corner and uh, we're going to keep fighting until we get that. Yeah, I'm definitely in your corner as well. Definitely try to promote as much women's hockey as I can and try to help uh, share different stories from other different players besides yourself. No, it's it's super appreciated because, uh, um, you know, there's not a, the ton of opportunities for us to get our names or our stories out there. So I definitely am very appreciative of people like you. Yeah. And um, speaking of the podcast, what can I do as an interviewer to improve this podcast and be better? Because there's some moments where I struggle, get nervous and misspeak. You know? <laughs> no, honestly, uh, I love the questions. I think um, a lot of times, to be honest, sometimes when we get interviewed at times they're super similar questions um and you had a lot of questions that were like super in-depth you definitely did your research like I've had sometimes people have asked me like where I played in university and I'm like man just like google search like for two seconds so I think you know you're obviously you're super well informed you're a fan 
um, you know your hockey, you know your stuff, and it's really it's really nice and refreshing to talk to. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Now, is there any shout-outs you'd like to give to any of your teammates, friends, or family members? <laughs> I know we shouted out um, Annie Pankowski, but is there anyone else? Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, there's too many people. I don't think – I think we'd be on this for a long time, but, um, you know, I just – like I said, the people is the best part about hockey, so I've I've been super fortunate to – meet a lot of amazing people, especially at the University of Wisconsin. So uh, yeah, I'm proud to be a Badger and uh, love everyone I came across. Thank you so much, Emily, right. for coming on. Uh, you're one of my favorite players to watch, so it was great getting the chance to meet and talk with you. I wish you nothing but the best uh, in the future with the PWHPA, and stay safe, and yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I really appreciate your time, and that was honestly really enjoyable, and uh, you're doing an awesome job, and uh, I'll definitely – repost and share when I can and uh, get you some more visibility too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Take care. Just want to say a quick thank you to Emily for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it, and I wish her nothing but the best with the PWHPA moving forward. I know she's going to kill it, and she's one of the best women's hockey players to watch right now, so I'll definitely recommend uh, watching her when the PWHPA comes back. Uh, She's just an incredible person and an incredible hockey player as well. Um, some college hockey recap before we end this podcast. Let's start off with Hockey East as they started off their season. The men's side, let's start off with them. Unfortunately, the BC and UNH game was canceled for tonight, so that game did not play. However, UConn and UMass did play their game. I unfortunately could not watch this game because it was not available um, in my area because I do not have Nesson, unfortunately, so I was pretty disappointed I couldn't watch the game. But as a UConn fan, I pretty didn't, didn't really miss too much. Uh, UMass kind of dominated the entire game, winning this one 5-1 to one with some good goals by Garrett Waite, who is a freshman on the UMass Minutemen. He scored his first collegiate goal, along with Oliver McDonald. Oliver Chow scored late in the third period, and Cal Kifu scored the first goal of the game. And basically, these goals helped UMass win this game. They pretty much out, outplayed UConn throughout the entire game. Even Coach Kavanaugh admitted it in his post-game press conference, saying that they need to play a lot better. Um, I think UConn definitely has a chance to bounce back tomorrow night against the UMass Minutemen at Frady's Forum. And I think it'll be a very interesting game to watch. But they do play tomorrow, and they do have a chance to bounce back from this tough loss. Um, in the Big Ten, the other conference that played today, uh, Michigan played Wisconsin. That was a great game. Michigan won in overtime by a sick goal by Thomas Bordolo. It was definitely a highlight real goal for sure, and will definitely make top 10 on SportsCenter without a doubt. Um, Michigan just proves why they're probably one of the best teams in the Big Ten, beating a good opponent on the road in the overtime period, and it was just a good game to watch. Um, Michigan State beat Arizona State 2-0. Definitely something to look out for in the Big Ten is how Arizona State has been struggling to start off the year. Uh, They had a tough weekend against Michigan last week, and then they had a tough weekend again this week against Michigan State, who's definitely a lesser opponent in my opinion. I think the big problem with Arizona State this weekend uh, was they couldn't score, the, and I think that's been a problem with them throughout the, their whole season so far, is that they haven't found a way to score goals and try to win that way, because if they scored uh, at least two or three more goals in both of those games, they definitely would have beat uh, Michigan State. They just couldn't find a way to score, and obviously if you don't score in hockey, you're not going to win hockey games. That's just as simple as that. Uh, good for Michigan State, though, to get those, those two wins to help them out in the Big Ten standings. However, I think compared to other Big Ten teams, they're not as strong, and I think they'll finish like in near the bottom of the standings, but who knows? I can definitely be proven wrong. Arizona State has a lot to think about throughout this Thanksgiving week, and I feel like they will bounce back eventually. I think it's just because of the new COVID season being in a new conference for them. I think a lot of adjustments are happening for Arizona State, along with a lot of freshmen coming in, but I think once they figure it out, they'll definitely be a good team and definitely be a team to look out for in the Big 10 as they play those games this season. Um, another Big Ten game that happened, I didn't watch this one, was Minnesota beat Penn State 3-2. to um, Minnesota is just proving why they're definitely going to be a top contender in the Big Ten, and it's definitely going to be them versus Michigan throughout the regular season. So it'll be interesting to see how those two teams stack up throughout the regular season and how they do against other Big Ten competition. Uh, so right now, Michigan and Minnesota are definitely the big contenders in that conference. Arizona State struggling a lot after their first two weeks, and I think it's just going to be interesting to watch to see what happens in that conference in the future. Other than that, there was no other conferences that played last night in 
college hockey for the men's side. However, in the WCHA on the women's side, they had their first game. The University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs took on the Minnesota State Mavericks in the first WCHA game of the year. It was a fun game to watch, and the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs basically dominated the Mavericks tonight, winning this one 5-0. The biggest standout to me was their goaltender, Emma Soderberg. She played outstanding, having her first shutout of the year. Uh, Our friend, our good friend, Taylor Anderson, scored the first goal of the game to help the Bulldogs uh, win this one 5-0. I was so excited to see her score, and I know she's going to kill it this year. So it was just good to see someone from the podcast do well. Uh, Clara Van Waren scored her first goal of her career. Um, It was just good to see. I thought the Bulldogs dominated this one. A lot of good players on that team. The freshmen look really good. I think a lot of the players are stepping up, especially the goaltending, which I mentioned was something I talked about in one of my previous podcasts and something I was worried about with Duluth is who's going to step up with Maddie Rooney uh, graduating. And Emma Soderberg really did. And if she continues to play like that, I think the Duluth Bulldogs will definitely give Ohio State a run for their money in the WCHA and potentially knock them out of the national tournament standings. And they could definitely be a top eight team heading into the tournament this upcoming spring if Emma Soderberg plays like that and if those freshmen and those newer players uh, play like they did last night. Um, I think it was just a great performance by the Duluth Bulldogs, but you know the Mavericks are still a good team, and I can definitely see them bouncing back and splitting this series tomorrow. We'll just have to wait and see, but a good game to start off for the WCHA. A big one tomorrow as Ohio State takes on Minnesota. I'm looking forward to watch that tomorrow. I think that should be an excellent game as well. Uh, the reigning uh, WCHA champions versus one of the top contenders in the WCHA with Minnesota. I'm pumped to see that one. I think that's going to be a fantastic game to watch. Um, also in women's hockey, Hockey East played. Uh, Maine beat Holy Cross 2-1. to one. I saw a part of this game. I thought Holy Cross played pretty well. I think they're going to be a lot better than people will expect them to be. Um, I thought defensively they played fine. They kind of struggled a little bit early on. But once they figured it out, um, they kind of defensively shut down Maine for most of that game. Uh, Jada Brennan played a fantastic game as well. I just think the thing that they struggled with is they couldn't find a way to score a puck in the net and that's like I said with uh, Arizona State just a few minutes ago. If you can't score, you're not winning games. That's kind of the that's kind of the game. That's the game. You gotta score to win games and unfortunately Holy Cross didn't get enough to uh, win that one but I still think they had a pretty solid performance and I think if they uh, figure out how to score some goals in the next game they'll definitely give Maine a good run for their money and potentially split that series. Uh, Boston College, however, did not have any problems scoring goals as they beat UNH 6-2 last night. Mad Gabby Roy scored her first career hat trick in her first career game with the Boston College Eagles, so she's definitely a freshman to look out for. And if the Eagles keep playing like this, they're definitely going to be contenders in Hockey East. It's just going to be interesting to see how they match up with the Northeastern Huskies, but I think they will do just fine. Um, I was just, I think this is more uh, for UNH. I think this is definitely a tough loss, but I think this is something can, they can bounce back from. They have a lot of new faces, and definitely with a new upcoming year, there's a lot of challenges trying to adapt to the new season and being flexible. And I think that might have played into their loss. Obviously, you don't want to use an excuse like that. But I think that definitely played in a little bit. But I think UNH will definitely bounce back and potentially give BC a good run for the money because they have good defensemen on that team. I'm really impressed by their defense core. But unfortunately, they just didn't show up that night. And I think they will show up tomorrow, though, and it will be a fun game to watch. But good for BC to get their first win. And I think Gabby Roy is definitely a freshman to watch out for in the Hockey East. Providence and UConn have their first games on Saturday and Sunday for their first Hockey Series tilt. So I'll be very excited to watch those teams play. And Colgate got their first win uh, last night. They beat Syracuse in overtime. Great game to watch. And I think Colgate will definitely be a team. I think to look out for in the ECAC, there's only four teams that are playing. Um, and I think Colgate's definitely a team that will step up and potentially make it some noise in the ECAC without any Ivy League schools playing. That's all that's going on in college hockey at the moment, but when there's more news to be broken and more games to be talked about, you know I will talk about it here on this platform. We'll definitely also post it on our social media. I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. It really means a lot to me, and I'll see you guys Monday and Tuesday this week because of Thanksgiving. I'm going to release those episodes on Monday, Tuesday, not Tuesday, Wednesday like I normally do. Just be aware of that. But I'm excited to release some more great interviews for you guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, take care, everyone. Have a great day, and bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it.
start to dry Even when the sun begins to shine again Taking all the advice there is and none of it has helped Experience has made me realize that I won't build my life on empty words I'm so tired of it.